0: Hello and welcome to the Women of Blockchain podcast by Cointelligence Academy. At Cointelligence, we care about providing blockchain and crypto education as well as encouraging the much needed diversity by enabling the female voices of this space to share their knowledge and their stories with our audience. Our today's guest is Lone Fons Schroeder. Lone is the CEO of Concordium, the company that is developing the Concordium blockchain network. Loan has served in numerous C-list roles in being on the board of very large companies such as Volvo, IKEA, and Aker Group. As CEO of Concordium, her key mission will be to help ensure that the Concordium platform becomes a useful tool for everyone, from individual users to large enterprises and society at large. Loan's areas of expertise include digital transformation, new business models, corporate strategy, banking, and capital markets, and sustainability. Now, today's talk, we discussed the regulatory environment of the DeFi space, where Learn shared a very positive outlook on how the regulatory process will play out and what the outcomes will be. Learn also described in more detail what the Concordium team has been up to with a lot of exciting projects and features coming up. Before we start, I would like to thank our partner public to help us deliver this podcast public is on the mission to make the internet a more fair place and build a whole new web economy that rewards everyone for the value that they create. With all that said, let's go ahead and hear from
1: Lone. Welcome to the show, Lone. Yeah. Thank you so much for hosting the meeting here. Wonderful. So why don't we start with you sharing a little bit of background about yourself with our listeners? Yeah, so my background is actually both from finance and as a lawyer. When I was very young, I joined an airline as an aircraft lawyer. Then I moved on into more commercial things. I became a CEO already at the age of 28 for an airline. I moved into shipping, logistic, oil and gas, finance. Also, I was growing a board career have been, and I am a director on some of the biggest brands in the world, like Kia, which was just improving their branding, corporate branding, on the list of the most valuable brands in the world. But also, I am the vice chairman of Volvo Cars, which is also a super interesting product moving into the kind of fully digitalized world, but also moving from building cars to providing interesting software content. So... In that whole transformation phase, I was offered to be an advisor for Concordium, which is a decentralized public blockchain. And I said, yes, I didn't know anything about the blockchain, but okay. I did know that crypto had to move into the more regulated part. So that was kind of my way into blockchain and to Concordium. And then I was invited to become the CEO. I thought it was super interesting because I think if you are CEO of something which is really spearheading a big part of the future, it is like, why do you want to send somebody to Mars? It's because it's difficult and it makes all other things more easy. Right.
0: Wow. What an incredible career. But I would love to hear what is it that inspired you about the blockchain, specifically, well, maybe in Concordium, that you decided to become a CEO?
1: Yeah, so I think to be able to do something which is decentralized, so really giving the power being able to give the power to yourself without being dependent on an intermediator. I think that's the most interesting thing with blockchain, blockchain enable that you can bring products would normally probably not be accessible for everybody. You could bring them directly to everybody, like in form of tokenization, for example. Mm -hmm. This is one element. Another element is that sometimes you need to be able to verify things and really, in ESG, and the whole sustainability part, probably be able to verify sources, etc. And blockchain are very suited for that.
0: Wonderful. So would you say that with your extensive background in business and in finance, like, would that be the unique sort of angle that blockchain, you feel, would be able to add value that couldn't solve without blockchain?
1: I think so, yes.
0: Right. So I think maybe for the benefit of our listeners, could you give a bit of an introduction to Concordium? What exactly is the project? What is it aiming? What's its mission?
1: Yeah. So Concordium have already delivered. First part of its mission is to do a use case agnostic blockchain on mainnet. So we are already there since this summer. So that was first part of the deliverables. Second part which we're doing now is the GTU our global transaction unit our cryptocurrency which is supporting the gas payment it's a payment token is being issued and will be available for trading at some point in time maybe not in a too long future so that is the other elements but ever so much because that payment token is needed in order to support various use cases and now we're building on top of our layer 1 blockchain People are building use cases. We have some very interesting use cases in the NFT area coming in India Mm -hmm. very soon, Mm -hmm. but also more industrial-based and supporting use cases for some of our customers in various verticals. And then the third element is that we have just decided to launch, and we were speaking about that on the Token 2049 conference in London the week before last. (laughs) <laughs> Our regulated decentralized fintech laboratory, which will be very, very interesting in order to make like maintainable, safe, decentralized dApps to support regulated decentralized fintech. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that is so interesting. And we're definitely going to spend quite a bit of time talking about that. But just before we move on to that, I was kind of curious to hear a little bit more behind the philosophy of Concordium of the permissionless blockchains and exactly how is it different from other permissionless blockchains?
1: Yeah, so it is different because it is first of all based on science, which means that all the protocols we use actually say based on peer-reviewed protocols. And that is very important because to be able to verify that what you're doing in the cryptographics on your blockchain are actually, say, working as intended. So when you read our white papers, they are then taken into what we call blue papers. Our developers are coding from that. And then it is verified by third parties, like Kudelsky, for example, have verified our code. So there is exactly, say, a mirror between the science papers, peer reviewed, i.e. they will sit in some of the most, say, highly ranked publications in the science world. And then a mirror into the code on our blockchain, which is safeguarding that, you know, the robustness and cryptographic security of the blockchain. So that's one element. So it's not a hobby project, which many blockchains are with great Mm -hmm. ideas, but maybe not so solid. We think this is or we know this is a prerequisite for the industry to start using the blockchain, but also for you and me. If we have our values and trust the blockchain, it must be a robust blockchain, not just something you are just downloading. That is one element. The other ever so important is that our transaction fees are stable in fiat. That means that it doesn't go up and down with the valuation as of the blockchain like many other cryptocurrency gas payments are. So you can depend and rely on the transaction fee and the transaction fees is going towards zero. And the third element is our identity at the protocol level. So when you use the software, you will have an identity and a validated identity. And that is meeting the coming requirements that no cryptocurrency transaction can be anonymous. So there will be a clear identification of all transactions made at our blockchain. But you can do private transactions. So i.e., no public visible transactions, but private transactions, but they would all come with an identity stamp. So if the regulator needed, they can see who have done what at what point in time.
0: Right. Interesting, because I guess this is kind of the gray area of the existing blockchains where you can't truly rely on who's behind the transaction. and This is kind of one of the main concerns and the criticism and it's great to see that Concordium is tackling that. Personally, I'm really inspired by your mission and I do believe that the space needs exactly this sort of technology to ease adoption and to actually solve the real problems that we have. So, Luna, you mentioned earlier about the DeFi space, the regulation around it and the project that you've been working on. So, it would be great to move on to that topic now and discuss this. So, maybe to set the scene, Would you be able to summarize for our listeners like the most pressing issues that the current financial system
1: is facing and how sort of like DeFi is coming into place? Yeah, I'll try to summarize it like this. We would really like to be together in a mission of developing regulatory, compliant, decentralized finance future together. So we have launched this initiative also with partners from the world of finance to developers looking to craft the Rec DeFi products. So in order to do so, it's necessary to have expertise from the regulatory part, the financial service, legal, all the TSGs, blockchain software development and scientific principles. So this is one thing we really are looking forward to having the world to join this most innovative part of the regulated decentralized future in a very transparent and trustable way. So that is kind of the first thing. The other is that the most pressing issues maybe at the current financial system is really inefficiency. So many parties are involved from the days where transactions were multi-party, took a long time. Now they are basically instantly. It can be person to person about the functionalities insufficient when you look at the kind of old functionalities, but then there is a lot of regulatory capital, which is unnecessary if you make a fully say collateralized automatic world. So in the end, the banking sector today have a very low return on equity and this is why they are ever so interested in decentralized finance.
0: Mm-hmm. So interesting. So maybe just to kind of a bit of definition here. So the defi I think we kind of familiar we understand what defi is. And then now we have this regulated defi which short for reg defi I guess that's how you should pronounce it. So I would like to understand what is the difference between the two. So is it to be seen that there is, for example, a DeFi project, that it's like a testing ground for a financial instrument? And once it becomes successful, it gets regulated and therefore becomes Reg DeFi project. So is like DeFi becomes the kind of the first step and then the evolution of it would be to become a regulated DeFi, or are these two a completely separate concepts and they could be something that is 100% decentralized finance project, and then another one that is regulated DeFi project. I don't know if that makes sense, but it would be great if you give us the differences between the two.
1: Yeah. So I don't think there is a future for decentralized finance, full stop period. There is no future for that. It must be regulated, right. but then it must still be decentralized. So the benefit of a decentralized system is, of course, there's no single party who can kind of steal all the money or make mistakes or decide for you. But then on the other hand, you need to know who is doing what. So the whole notion of KYC, AML, that needs to be put in. So decentralized governance is really a huge subject. So we are in Concordium, a layer one. This is a layer one. And then the functionality of the chain itself, but not at the decentralized finance layer is two different things. When we say that it is fantastic to build that on Concordium it is because of our ID protocol at the protocol level. So there are some chains who have a good decentralized governance and we will follow the best examples. but. There are no chains who have identity at the protocol level. So this is not an add on. It's a key requirement. It's, as we say, in our DNA. And hence again, that gives a guarantee for regulators that what you're doing comes with this identity stamp. And you could compare it a little with, say, if you want to impose a speed limit, so you can put a speed limit in the car, Or you can make sure that you simply can't drive on that road without having that speed limit, say, built into the road, so to speak. So if you look at a car, in Volvo, we make this orange key, or we call it red key, but it's orange. the orange key. When you sat in the car, you can only go 180 kilometers per hour. So that's built into the car's DNA. So Mm -hmm. it's not an add-on that you tell, don't go above 180 kilometers. You simply can't go more than 180 kilometers. And mm-hmm. I think this is just how we are as, as people. It makes it all more easy when it's built in. Hence, this is the difference and why Concordium is so well suited for this regulated decentralized finance, which is in terms different from DeFi where you can just do what you like, but it's difficult for regulators to know who should we come after because if it is totally decentralized, you might not know who have done what. And this is giving the huge problems where also for the users, it's not nice to sit there for the next five, 10 years, hoping that the regulator will not come at you, because that is what we have seen in many other areas like FX, things, et cetera, where it, it comes also many, many years.
0: Yeah, it is so true. It's a very, very complicated topic. I mean, there's so many people still that see it being the opposite, regulated or decentralized, so sort of like struggling to see them coexisting. But I do understand what you're saying, that perhaps technology would sort of answer that question. And if it's built in, and if there is technical capability to execute that regulated decentralization, then why not? So I'm really keen to just kind of understand a little bit your statement about true decentralization is not possible. Would you have any more thoughts to add on that?
1: You mean the non-regulated, decentralized? Yes. Yeah. No, I just see that having been in the fintechs and and banking space, you cannot once you build up things which become kind of mainstream, which becomes products where you don't have any consumer protection, this is basically one element which the regulators are looking into. Mm-hmm. another element is naturally the sanction list and also the whitewashing directives and This is the latest move you have seen with the upcoming directives, just for example, in the EU area, but also you see it in outside EU and in Europe, like Switzerland, and you see it from the American regulators and you see it from many of the Far Eastern regimes. So this is simply a natural say, following the industry, which was new. Nobody was speaking about DeFi just some few years ago, but once it is, say, being adopted, then regulators are following it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, no, I think it makes complete sense. So now maybe it would be great to actually summarize some of the benefits of the regulated defi, let's say, both on a micro and a macro level.
1: So I think on the micro level is that we can all, on a globe, if we are good citizens who want to follow the rules, then we can all benefit also from blockchain and cryptocurrency. I think for many people, it's quite confusing. What are you allowed to do? What can't you do? How Mm -hmm. does it work? What is it not only from a later point of view, but also if you look at the whole ESG part, taking also sustainability and energy spend into it, which is another element of Concordium that we are based on proof of stake and not proof of work, which means that we basically don't use any energy and there's no need with our consensus protocols and finalization protocols that you should have the big energy consumption, which is naturally another huge concern. The latest I saw on on Bitcoin is that they spent 0.6% of the globe's electricity production, which seems to be a huge problem so Mm -hmm. that you can have something in totality using total new ways of thinking because that is blockchain. Public blockchain is a total new way to think and enable that you can do it in a safe manner. So I think that to do it safely is really a good buzzword.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And if we speak about some of the more societal benefits, so something that every individual could understand and see how it could benefit them, what sort of examples could you give?
1: I'd First of all, give the example of identity. So about 2 billion people or maybe even more are not the owner of their own identity. So imagine that when you don't have an identity, you cannot have a work, you cannot pay your taxes, you cannot interact, you cannot create a business. Everything is related to your identity to be able to open an account for anything. So what you are able to do on blockchain and what we are building is also on the identity part. Imagine also you have your passport. So when you are born, you have your identity. Your identity is basically based on your birth certificate, if you have one. But as a person, everybody in the world should have a right to control their own identity, period. That's just a fundamental human right that you can use blockchain for. So you could have a global identity. You are the one having control over and where you can provide that. Access to that identity in whatever manner you want to provide it. That I think is such a huge thing. Thinking about more than 2 billion people could then have identity. So that is really supporting society. One example in Switzerland is, for example, that the authorities are working on providing blockchain based identity to female immigrants. I think that is really, really important that again, To be able to provide identity that women can cater for, creating a future for themselves, for their families, for their children.
0: Absolutely. This is massive. And I guess another uh, very exciting aspect of the DeFi and what it offers to the society I find is this whole new range of opportunities that before were not available to us around investment and co-ownership of things I recently read a very interesting example about a future DeFi use case that imagine you're going to a restaurant and you really like the place and the food was great and you decide that you want to own a piece of that. And what you would be able to do in the near future is, I don't know, scan a QR code provided by the restaurant and buy its token, which would mean that you purchased a small stake in this venture and then you become a co-owner. And then along the way, you also get other benefits and discounts and whatnot, so suddenly It opens up a a whole new way of building a collaborative economy and and a society and ways of growing wealth that we can't even think of right now. That's also, I find, is extremely exciting part of what DeFi could offer to societies.
1: I think it's such a good example you give here to really be able to tokenize things. So it would also make it easier for like startups. That's another thing. I know Mm -hmm. some exchanges are working with and and, uh, issuers of what you call structured products in Europe are working with that you could tokenize say loans for SMEs, for example, would be another type of crowdfunding probably. So that is very, very interesting.
0: Absolutely. So coming back a little bit towards the regulations, which is kind of (laughs) the central of this conversation, what makes it so difficult to regulate DeFi platforms so far? Because I mean, regulators are still trying to wrap their head around it. But what do you think makes it so difficult right now to regulate it?
1: No, I don't think it's difficult to regulate it. I think it's easy to regulate it. I think there's naturally a lot of discussion how that should look, but I think you are seeing the sketches of it already now in, for example, the latest directive suggestions for EU. It is so easy to say that the everything you do on DeFi would follow the same demands as if it was not decentralized. So I think that's not difficult, simply to put the same principles into it. It can then be on the enforcement side, which could be difficult. So how do you want to enforce it? How do you want to find those if it is decentralized? Because a blockchain is also, and you also have in the blockchain world, you have a lot of maybe people who doesn't like regulation. So this is kind of boiling forth and back. How can you actually do it if you don't know who have made what? But I think the transparency of who have done what and when and coding and open source even is kind of easy to track. So I think the assurances will find their way to how to put accountable for it. And there are many levels of accountability. It can be on the protocol level, on the layer one. It can be on the use cases. It can be on the users. So there are many layers there. I don't think this is at all more difficult than as any other regulation is.
0: Okay, that's positive. So do you think it would be sort of that the regulation will mostly adapt to DeFi or will DeFi mostly need to adapt to the regulations?
1: No, I I have never seen, say, regulators adapting. I think it's the other way around. Really? I think that is coming in and I have seen in my entire experience When you put in even tough demands, as we're also doing now on the sustainability part, we are so innovative. We will find a way to make that happen and to support it.
0: Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think this process, as I often hear people say, in the end of it, it could be that some projects will become, I don't know, truly decentralized, even though you said that that has no future. And the majority of them will just admit that they aren't really decentralized in the sense that they can be regulated. And we're going to end up with kind of two types of projects. But it would be really interesting to see what kind of timeline do you think we will follow with this? I know like the US are still not really clear about the regulations around DeFi, but what do you think the timeline is going to look like?
1: I think it's going to be very fast. I think we will see something. And what I have seen so far, and you're also seeing that if you just look at what is happening on the VASP side, the travel rule, you have seen all the exchanges adjusting to that right now. So I think it will be very, very fast. So also the whole, say, OECD is working via FADEF on regulation. So they are showing potential ways taxes can be regulated. So no, it is now, it is as we speak. Mm -hmm. So where will it be in, I don't know, in the next couple of years? I think when we speak a year from now, regulation are way into it and it is on the same level as if it was a non-decentralized product.
0: Yeah, that sounds really positive. I mean, in the end of the day, The DeFi is kind of referred to as decentralized finance today, but will eventually become simply finance
1: in the future. So yeah, I think it will become say finance, but it will still be, I think, decentralized is very important. So the regulated DeFi will be decentralized. So the whole benefit of a decentralized system that no party can say control or make mistakes that's mm-hmm. kind of the fundament of blockchain. Of so the decentralized is not being taken out by saying regulated. So that... Yeah, ha- this
0: is a very important message to communicate that I think, even though it is regulated, it is still removing the kind of the single point of failure that yes. the current financial system sort of has. Absolutely. So outside of regulations, which we kind of understand now, what do you think would it take for DeFi to become a kind of an alternative to financial industry? Like what else needs to be in place?
1: So that's a trust. So it's really the trust that you can rely on the both the identity part of it, who are you transacting with, but also that you can rely on the software itself, that you don't have any kind of way that you are losing your money. It is really say who is behind the product, is that a verified product, etc. Because For the consumer, they have no way of understanding if they use a decentralized uh, product where they don't know who is behind what is it. So I also see here that you will have providers of products. And this is what we'll do. For example, in our uh, lab, we will make kind of you could compare it with that you on your Twitter account have this verification. You could also have verifications of the software. And also that the software is really, safe being maintained is another thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the safety of DeFi and all the security protocols are really, it's a major concern. I think even like in terms of numbers since September 2019, I think, was it over 300 million in DeFi were lost to hacks, but mainly from actually software error, like a developer coding error which is a major concern if you think about it, because the whole thing is relying on code executing well. (laughs) So you're absolutely right. And it's good to hear that at Concordium, you're putting a lot of emphasis on that safety.
1: Yeah, I think that is ever so interesting. But then we also need to protect the innovative part. So I think that is so important. There is such an innovation in the blockchain and, and crypto community. So we cannot take that out. So it's really a balance and one thing is is not destroying the other, but there is much more to it than just being, say, creator of a great software. Now you have to put that kind of regulatory hat on it. But mm-hmm. that is just, say, giving further lenses to what we are doing in the blockchain space. But we must always protect the innovative part. I really like the decentralized way, the open source way. This is also what we will do in our lab that will all be open source. It will be products which are then hopefully making it easy for those who wants to own a part of your restaurant, as you mentioned, that they could take one of our dApps and just do it. Because <laughs> that's another thing with blockchain. And I don't know how you felt, but I was new to it. I had to take MIT education and read a lot of books and try to sort it out. But you can also do, from a country, since I'm Danish, I'm from the country of Lego. And Lego is so simple with the bricks. And Mm -hmm. you could also, say, make blockchain and cryptocurrency into Lego bricks that it will be easy, low code, easy for us to use it so it would be available for much more. So to make it available for everybody, I think, is one of our mission, make it easy. Don't make it difficult. We don't need to have kind of specialized things for everything. We could also standardize a lot of things and make it very, very consumer friendly.
0: Exactly. And this is how it's going to scale. And, and I love the Lego analogy. You absolutely right. Lona, I wanted for, before we finish off, I wanted to ask you a few more questions. I know that you are working currently on a couple of projects that you've mentioned already, the Defi Lab and also the Concordium Regulator Ready Blockchain, which is what we've been talking about this whole time. But I wanted for you maybe to add some more details around specifically the Defi Lab and what are some tips for the projects who might want to be involved or who is it for if you want to share some more details?
1: Okay, so it's absolutely for everybody who wants to be a part of this we will make it available also on our website so people would know what to do and how to approach it. And we will then invite for projects and we'll have a scanning machine, which kind of products would we like to support but basically it's for everybody who wants to share this future of it. Then we are also working with, for example, the DevEx initiative under Rust. And that's another good thing, I think, to really line up there. We will have some hackathons coming on, but also the Rust community is doing an extraordinary effort in order to teach and nurture developers. So we can also have a support for developers who wants to understand more moving really into the blockchain part. And there we also, we have just announced yesterday, the DevX initiative for the Rust ecosystem sponsorship program. And we have an endowment of 100,000 US dollars to the DevX initiative, which will be distributed throughout the Rust ecosystem. So that's another sponsorship program where it is possible to do, say, paid work also via the Rust program. And this is because we would like to, again, empower people, teach and make it easy to understand the Rust language, which is the language we use on our blockchain, but also to hopefully excite more developers to build on Concordium.
0: That's wonderful. I'll definitely share if you have anything added to the notes of the episode. So for those who are interested. And also I wanted to maybe finish off by asking you to give some advice or tips or whatever you have for those DeFi projects that are now trying to figure out the regulations and what do they need. So what tips do you have for them and how do you think Concordium could help them?
1: Yeah, so join us for the fintech lab. That is one thing. The other thing is never really to think that this is too difficult. There are a lot of elements, there'll be a lot of various stakeholders each say, specialized in the angle. And I think this is a splendid, say, basis for collaboration because it's like, I see the whole blockchain and the whole world like a bunch of jigsaw bricks, and then you need to pick one and understand where does that fit into the entire picture and what picture is it I want to build. And to be able to share that with others who are sitting with their brick for the entire puzzle, I think, that is a great way to think about it. So don't shy out, lean in. So if we could kind of have this lean in plug in system where people plug in with all their knowledge and you lean in and we collaborate, this is really the spirit of blockchain. Oh, that's wonderful.
0: I completely agree with everything you said. That's great. Lenny, is there anything that I didn't ask
1: that you would like to share? No, just for all the women. So there are too few, too few women in blockchain too few women in cryptocurrencies. We really need to nurture that. It is such a great future we could create together, also using the benefits of blockchain to take some of these areas where we still are in imbalance in the world. We were talking about identity, more women than men actually are not the owner of their own life and their own identity. I'm so sad to say this, and by the end of 2021, we need to work together to create also a female-based initiatives could be very important for the future, but also for women. That is just one closing remark. My great friend is the film producer and director Susanne Bier, who is Oscar-winning. And we were walking in the forest when we were quite young, and I talked about some issues I had, and she said, Lone and never let yourself be defined by others. Define yourself, and I think that is a message which blockchain are really supporting. Define yourself. You have a great tool you can create for better than ever in the entire history. You can create your own destiny, and you can be supported by a great software tool, blockchain.
0: Oh my goodness! Absolutely love that. It is so inspiring, and it's so nice that you were able to talk about this technology and humanize it and bring it home and see how really. It could add value to our lives. And I completely agree with you. I think it comes down to working on this together. And if we want to design, you know, achieve a scenario where it works for all of us, it makes sense, it's compliant, it's safe, and actually improves our lives. So everything you said, I second that. So Loni, thank you so much for joining us today. And again, congratulations on the amazing work that you're doing at Concordium. And I'm looking forward to seeing it evolve and
1: strengthen this entire industry. Thank you so much. And we're really eager to go in and look at it, lean in, talk to us. We're available. We would so much welcome not only men, also a lot of women into our <laughs> project. So thanks so much for posting this talk. Absolutely.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. Please check the notes section of this podcast to find the links to some of the info mentioned earlier. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Woman of Blockchain podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share. And don't forget that if you're looking to learn more about blockchain and get access to quality, free online content, do visit cointelligence.com and choose the topic that interests you the most. Finally, check out public.com. It is spelled P-U-B-L-C, so without the letter I. Create a free account and support the internet of tomorrow. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you all on the next episode.